Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at all things newsworthy in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, animal weirdness, and in this case, my personal life. Y'all, it is my honeymoon, and yet I am still bringing you a fresh edition of Rossafari Zoo News. It's not going to be a lot of news, though, because frankly, I care more about my honeymoon than doing this episode right now. However, I know a lot of you like to follow along with the things that have been going on in my life. And also, there are some Zoo News stories happening right now that I do want to share with y'all. And also, I've had a fan threaten me if I don't get to Animal Holidays this week. So at the very least, I have to get to Animal Holidays this week. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will when we get there. But um, first... I've decided to pull Zoe over here, and um, she's very annoyed about it. I did not tell her this was coming, Uh, but I'm a very smart individual. I have learned a lot from my own podcast. So I have taken the fruit snacks that she was going to eat, literally right out of her hand, and I am going to give them to her as rewards if she does a good job for um, talking on the podcast. So this is, this is positive reinforcement, and uh, we're going we're gonna to give it a shot and, and see if my uh, knowledge in behavior uh, it can, get, can get her to talk on the podcast some more. So um, let's see how this goes. Hi, Zoe. Hi. Good job. Okay. So Zoe and I got married at Elmwood Park Zoo. Y'all, if you have not thought about having a wedding at a zoo, you should have a wedding at a zoo. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, The actual ceremony was outside at um, the eagle deck, although there are no eagles there right now because of uh, avian influenza. But there was, when we went the day before, a giant inflatable gorilla that looked horrible. So fortunately, they they took it down for us, which was which was nice of them. Um, but yeah, and why did we have the the ceremony outside? You ask. Well, first of all, it was a beautiful fall day. But also, why else did we do that, Zoe? Our dogs were there. Yay! Yes. So our maid of honor was Paradiddle, and uh, Lexi and Caleb were also um, in the bridal party on Zoe's side. They also had humans uh, there with them, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess. And and then Miles was my best man. And and uh, Taylor from the podcast was also up there with me. Uh, Taylor Gray, who does all the music stuff with me, or a lot of it anyway. And uh, also my, my buddy Randy, my, my longest friend. Uh, and that made up the wedding party. Um, Zoe, tell them a little bit about where we had our reception. Our reception was in Trail of the Jaguar, which is... Is that better? So much better. I don't like microphones, and you haven't given me any fruit snacks. He's now holding a fruit snack in front of my face. 
Trail of the Jaguar, which is an exhibit where they have some of their cats, their jaguars, and their mountain lions, and some smaller animals like their um, burrowing owls and desert tortoises and a chakwala, and it's a very good place, and we had brunch in there as our reception. Yay. Yay, indeed. Here is your fruit snack. Good job. Okay. And so, um, yeah, and it was awesome. And the the animals were, like, on exhibit. So one of the coolest things that we got to experience, uh, at least for me, was that uh, as all our guests were sitting there, Zian, the male jaguar at uh, Elmwood Park Zoo, came right by the window and just kind of jumped over some water. And hearing all of these, like, non-zoo people in unison go, ooh was really cool. I really enjoyed that. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, Elmwood Park Zoo did an absolutely ridiculously incredible job. We we fed giraffes too. Did oh yeah, we totally we fed, fed giraffes. No, we didn't. No. We fed giraffes. They were really good. Okay, you know what? You got another fruit snack. Yay. Good job. Yeah, so we fed giraffes and not just us. The the whole party did. And then, for those of you who have been with me for a long time, you may remember that back in season one, we did the spooky spectacular, excuse me, the uh, spooky spectacular, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, hi, it's a talent. Um, and so we did that, and uh, one of the animals that we met for that was Banshee, a barn owl at Elmwood Park Zoo, uh, who is adorable and who may or may not have decided to uh, accidentally land on me when not supposed to, and it may have been one of my favorite things ever. Well, here we are a couple years later, and Banshee has been working on becoming an ambassador animal, and uh, he had his public debut at our wedding reception. Banshee did an incredible job. Um, Lara brought him out, one of the the keepers that I talked to back in that episode, so go check it out. And um, yeah, it was just really magical to have him have that moment uh, at the wedding. And we both got to put on a raptor glove and actually hold Banshee. Now, all the other guests did not get to hold Banshee, but they did get to get up close and get photos. And Banshee absolutely was amazing, right? Yes. You don't, you don't get a fruit snack for that. Say more. Banshee was awesome. He did a really good job and didn't scream that much. That's true. And uh, for the, there's, there you go. And for those listening, uh, who, who again are all caught up, uh, Danny Poirier Larson, we actually had her come down and be our officiant. It was really cool. She did a great job. There was a keeper chat about eagles. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty solid. So, is there anything else you want to tell the fine folks at home about our wedding? Okay, good job. And uh, and now we are on our honeymoon in San Diego, where we are spending six days between the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park in Escondido. And uh, we have this really cool casita that we are staying at. That's what it's called. There's a dog here. His name is Rudy. He's awesome. I highly recommend everyone hangs out with Rudy. <laughs> I really like him. He likes to play fetch. For like four throws because he's very old and then he, he's kind of falling apart. But in a like really cute way. She's not, she's not wrong about that. Uh, and, and actually part of this whole experience is that today we did the ultimate safari at the safari park. 
Now, if you're wondering what that is, wonder no more. The Ultimate Safari is an opportunity to talk to the people who plan the behind-the-scene experiences at the safari park, tell them what you're interested in, and then they customize an entire day for you based on your interests. Zoe, tell them about our morning. There was a cheetah. The cheetah ran. It was really good. And this was a private cheetah run, like yeah. not a public one. It was insane. Pri- private cheetah run. Um, he was He was not the best at the running, but it was great. And then? And then we went out on one of their caravans into the uh, Southern Africa Plains exhibit. That's the one. And saw the giraffes, including a two-month-old baby giraffe who was super cute, and the older baby giraffes that we had seen back in February, and the rhino. For those who have listened to Zoo News, uh, we got to see the draft that had the um, braces for a while and, yeah. and is doing quite well and no longer is braced, which is awesome. That was one of the older baby drafts. And then we got to see the rhinos and we got to see their herd of Thompson's gazelles, which also includes two Impala who were hand reared and think that they are Thompson's gazelles because they were reared with some Thompson's gazelles and they were the best. Yeah, that was really good. Um, And we also got to go to the Nikita something or other rhino reserve place for saving rhinos. Rhino rescue. That's one. Rhino rescue building. It's a place where they're working on the – doing the work with the the northern white rhinos and, you know, trying to save that species by having southern white rhinos there and doing AI and doing all of that kind of stuff. So we saw AI rhinos and just normal rhino rhinos. And it was really awesome. Why are you looking at me weird? She's looking at me weird. Did you, you just want your reward? You haven't given me a fruit snack. Oh, sorry, I forgot. There you go. There you go. You're doing well. Okay, cool. See, see, reinforcing behaviors work. So, um, and then after that, uh, what did we do? Was that lunch? We went to the vet hospital. Oh, right. How did I forget that? And we got to see lots of vet hospital stuff. There were vets and hospital. They were in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That part was cool, but um, not really exciting for the podcast. So, and then we went to lunch and that was awesome. There was lunch. I had a big pretzel. So, you know, I was happy. And then um, after that, we got to go behind the scenes at the platypus exhibit and really see how that whole setup works. And y'all, this is one of the reasons that I say doing something like this is very cool. Going back there and actually seeing the ridiculously amazing setup for the the platypus, including the platypus scanner. They have a chip scanner because the platypus are chipped and they have all these like tunnels that they can be in. And so they can just scan over the tunnels and see where the platypus are. It's amazing. Um, And that was awesome. And then we went and saw the platypus. And then we were going to go and see the kangaroos, like the normal kangaroos. But your idiot friend, John, got really excited because when she said ruse, I assumed that our guide was talking about tree kangaroos. I assumed incorrectly, but she saw how excited I got and took us back behind the scenes and we got to see the three tree kangaroos that are currently living at the safari park. Y'all, I was so happy. I may have asked if I could have one of the uh, signage signs uh, of tree kangaroos. And then I said, just kidding, because I wasn't, but I didn't want to look like a total idiot. 
So, but it was amazing. We got to see all three of the tree kangaroos being adorable. Um, two of them were very visible. One of them was up in the pipes at the top of the uh, their exhibit, and it was really adorable. You could just see the tail hanging down and a little bit of booty. So, you know, tree kangaroo booty is pretty solid though, right? Yeah. I, I found that tree kangaroo. It was great. Big tail. Big tail. And then after that, we went to see some ambassador animals. Zoe, tell them about the ambassador animals, and then I'm probably going to lose you from the podcast because I only have one fruit snack left. Uh, We saw one of their African Cape porcupines named Quilma, who was awesome, and she ate some snacks and let us pet her. She has a friend named Fred, so like Fred and Quilma, like the Flintstones. Yeah, Um, and so she was great, and she was very good at walking around with her uh, trainer and, and being very attentive. And then we saw an echidna, who was great. He kept hiding his head under the dirt and and being all covered in dirt which is a good echidna thing and then we saw peanut who's a three-banded armadillo who was wonderful he loves getting head pets which is super cute and he was exploring everywhere where the echidna was and smelling the echidna and it was really cool and while that was happening we also got a bonus animal which was iggy the piggy who is a red river hog and was walking around just being a red river hog and pushing pumpkins and being awesome um and yeah so that was great it was great and here you go here is your fruit snack you earned it i'm proud of you all right. And yeah, and um, I just I have to give all the props in the world to the team at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Uh, we spoke to so many wildlife care specialists today, and um, they were all not only wonderful, but really respectful of the fact that Zoe is a vet and I do this podcast. And uh, our conversations were so deep. We talked about so much really cool stuff. Um, you know, a lot of times when you do meet and greet things, it's very surface level because they assume that you don't know a lot about the animals, but they really met us where we were. And we were told a couple of times that they really appreciated the ability to go a little deep on stuff too. So it was, it was, uh, really cool. I guess you could say it was a mutualistic, uh, relationship. And, uh, yeah, so that is where we're at with the whole honeymoon and wedding thing. And, uh, let's get to some very quick, uh, news stories, shall we? All right, and we're going to start off with some uh, pretty exciting news out of the San Diego Zoo Safari Park uh, that I got to hear about in great detail today. Uh, But they are planning possibly the biggest and most expensive expansion that they have done at the zoo or safari park, and it's all centered around their elephants. Now, here's the thing. The safari park already has the largest area where elephants live of any zoo in the country. So what are they doing? Well, a bunch of things. A lot of it's actually going to be focused on humans. They're going to be making a ton of really cool adjustments on how we're able to get around and how we're able to see things. Um, They're also going to be building a new restaurant that has a view overlooking the elephant herd and all kinds of stuff. But they will be adding some new space for the elephants and also greatly expanding the pool area there, basically making it a beach for their elephants. And then, you know, they'll still have access to the normal 
exhibit stuff that we see now as well, which again is the largest in the country. So that's pretty darn exciting. Uh, the whole thing is going to be wildly expensive in the $60 million range. Uh, and um, yeah, it's going to be shutting down part of the safari park. But um, yeah, I am really excited to see how all of this goes down and to see the new area and the elephant beach and all that stuff when I come back in three years, hopefully to report on this before it opens because I like doing that. Now, to head across the country and then out of it, we'll head to the Toronto Zoo, where uh, it was recently announced that Jennifer Franks has been appointed as the Director of Indigenous Relations for the zoo, the first position of its kind in any zoo in North America. Franks is Red River Metis and a citizen of the Manitoba Metis Federation. It's a really awesome step for the Toronto Zoo to be taking, and I am very proud of them. And hey, while we're on the subject of the Toronto Zoo, I can now officially announce, and this is breaking news, y'all, the name of Baby Spice, the baby red panda at the Toronto Zoo is going to be revealed in a contest that is taking place the rest of this month and leading up to November 1st. They're going to be doing uh, word scrambles every couple of days until you get all the letters in the name of the panda. And if you are able to uh, correctly figure them out, then you can enter to win a red panda meet and greet at the Toronto Zoo. So, uh, yeah, if you would like to participate, you can go to at the Toronto Zoo on social media and um, you can find these these word puzzles. The first one is out already and you can get the letters and figure this out and possibly get to meet the red pandas at the zoo, including paprika. Suva and hashtag baby spice. Of course, I have friends at the Toronto Zoo, so I already know that the name of the baby red panda is actually. Oh, geez, my neighbor was honking his horn. I hope you were able to hear that name. Otherwise, you uh, will have to figure it out by doing the game on Toronto Zoo's social media. And speaking of red pandas, because, well, I'm me. Um, the two pandas at Buttonwood Park Zoo have recently signed a check worth $5,000 that they are sending to Red Panda Network to help with Red Panda conservation. And I mean that quite literally. They signed the check. Go to Buttonwood Park Zoo's social media and see what I'm talking about. And also, spoiler alert, you're going to hear an episode soon talking about Jacob and Marie, the two adorable pandas who, yes, can actually use a pen, so to speak, to sign things and draw. It's amazing. I can't wait to share all about that with you. All right, and now let's throw it to another one of my favorite zoos, the Cincinnati Zoo, where we have two bits of information. First of all, recent guest, Dr. Aaron Curry, went and did an ultrasound of Isla the Tamandua, who you heard a lot about from my good friend Colleen Adams, frequent guest of the podcast. And guess what? Isla is pregnant, y'all, and the zoo has announced it, and I'm really excited. And I just love seeing people who are a part of this podcast doing cool stuff like this. So uh, here is hoping for a baby Tamandua in December from Isla. Um, Tamandlet? Tamlet? Tamlet? I guess Tamlet would be our, our bintlet strategy. Hopefully you've listened and are caught up and know what I'm talking about. But yeah, anyway, congrats to Colleen 
Isla, and everyone at the Cincinnati Zoo. And also, I know y'all have been following the bloat news, but um, Tucker has been reintroduced to the bloat with the rest of the hippos. So there is now a chance to go and see Tucker, BB, Fiona, and Fritz all out together. The uh, the introductions seem to have gone well, and everyone is coexisting pretty peacefully. BB still does a whole lot of um, you know, correcting, making sure that things are okay. But but it's it's not nothing bad, and um, it seems to be going super well. And and Fritz keeps just kind of biting everybody's face. That's just what Fritz does. I think that is how baby hippos say hello, and it is adorable. And now we're going to head down to Florida for a couple of stories. The Tampa Bay Rays, the baseball team, have teamed up with Zoo Tampa at Lowry Park on a long-term partnership. The goal is to enhance the shared commitment to conservation and to the overall Tampa Bay community. I don't know exactly what it's going to mean yet. I only know that the mascot of the zoo and the mascot of the Rays have been hanging out together. So that's cool, I guess. But actually, it is really cool because I love when big organizations like a baseball team get involved directly with zoos because it always leads to greater awareness and they have a lot of money that they can give to conservation causes. So that is pretty exciting. And then while we're down in Florida, a quick update on the over 200 baby sea turtles that were uh, taken in at Breverage Zoo and their sea turtle rehab uh, because of uh, the recent hurricane that went through Florida. Most of the turtles are doing very well, and over 200 of them are currently on their way to South Florida, as I record this, to be re-released into the wild now that the hurricane danger has passed. So this is just an amazing effort by uh, Brevard Zoo, and I am just so happy to see such cute little baby sea turtles getting a second chance. Yay. Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh yeah! The WWF and Zoological Society of London get together every two years to release something known as the Living Planet Report. And uh, part of that is an assessment of how animal populations are doing uh, relative to time. Well, the latest study reveals that since 1970, animal populations have experienced an average decline. So average is a really interesting number when you have so many species and such, but an average decline of almost 70%. And to give you an idea of how quickly it's uh, ramping up, four years ago, that number was 60%. Two years ago, it was 68%. And now it is right around 70%. Uh, This study is the latest to point to the fact that we are probably living through what should be known as the sixth mass extinction, the largest loss of life on Earth since the time of the dinosaurs. And the study goes on to reveal, and this is going to shock y'all, that the, uh, the, the extinction is being driven largely by humans and human activity. I know, it's a shocker. Uh, The report has 89 total authors that do this research, and they are pleading with world leaders to reach out together and come up with an ambitious agreement to cut 
carbon emissions and uh, start limiting global heating to below 1.5 centigrade this decade. Uh, they, they say if this will not happen, the mass extinction is going to continue and also continue to ramp up. These are really scary times, y'all. And this is just the latest report to uh, make that point. A pod of 230 pilot whales were recently stranded on the coast of Tasmania, Australia, when weather got crazy, unexpectedly bad, and literally just sent the surf crashing into the shore at such a high velocity that 230 whales were stranded. Wildlife experts were able to rescue 35 of the whales that survived— uh, and 32 of them were able to be refloated, fully rescued, and released. That is really exciting that they were able to save those 32, but also really sad that 230 minus 32 would be 198 of them uh, were not able to make it. And yeah, I'm, I'm way too proud of myself for doing math right there, but you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, um, as to why this has happened, uh, researchers believe that water temperatures uh, are warming, which could be changing the ocean currents and moving food sources for whales. And then the whales have to go into areas that are unsafe and that they don't fully understand the weather patterns of, and they get dashed upon the surf because of it. So yet again, weather, climate, heat, bad, animals die. Let's try to fix this. But okay. Look, this is my honeymoon. I am not going to end conservation news on a sad story. In fact, I'm going to end it on a happy story. And, you know, we needed this story after the Red Wolf story from last week, which was devastating. While the reintroduced pups from this last year did not do well at all, I've also mentioned to y'all that um, there were six pups born in the wild last year. And there have been recent sightings of all six pups. The entire litter is surviving and seemingly thriving. The father is also still alive and has been seen with the pups. So this is really, really great news. Um, six pups born in the wild surviving that long with hunting still happening and people fighting reintroduction efforts and all that stuff is, is about as close to a miracle as it comes and puts the wild population maybe as high as 30 now. There are still some questions, but like we've been in the 20s for a long time, y'all. So even though 30 isn't exactly a great number, um, I'll take it. Yeah, so we're going to end conservation news this week on a high note. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Hey! All right, y'all, I'm trying to keep this one short, so we're going to skip right to the animal holidays for the week. Uh, keep in mind, this is still October, which is Bat Appreciation Month. Croctober, Squirrel Awareness Month. And since hearing about that, Zoe keeps telling me just how aware of squirrels she is, which is adorable. And Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. So then I should also tell you that the 16th to the 22nd are National Wolf Awareness Week, National Veterinary Technician Technician Week, and Slow Loris Outreach Week. 
And that brings us to the individual days. So there is nothing on the 14th, 15th, or 16th. Then the 17th is International Sawfish Day and Hickety Turtle Day. I'm going to skip the 18th for just one second here. We'll come back to it and tell you that on the 20th is International Sloth Day. All right. And now this is the moment that you've all been waiting for. Listen up. We need to talk. This needs to get settled right now. Okay. October 18th is World Okapi Day. But look, if you have been following along online, then you know the truth. Okapi are not a real animal. They are fake. Let's just call them what they are. They are faux copy. They do not exist. And you know that my former guest, Colleen Lenahan, insists on pretending that they are real. And it is making me so sad. And I know what you're thinking. We have had Lucas Mears, who does Okapi conservation work on this podcast. And you're right. I was caught up in the lie. But I think what we need to do is to finally expose the truth. So I am encouraging all of my listeners, anyone who can, to go to at Okapi Conservation on Instagram or to go to their website, which is okapiconservation.org. And I want to encourage you all to donate $5 to this organization in the name of Rasafari. And that is how we are going to let them know. We are going to send message after message to this fake organization, the Okapi Conservation Project. And we are going to let them know that their photoshops aren't working. Every time they see the name Rasafari pop up, they will know that we know the truth, okay? So go and donate $5 to the Okapi Conservation Project in the name of Rasafari to prove that this animal does not exist and that we know it. I am not going to let Big Ungulate take us down, okay? We've all heard of Big Pharma. We all know all that stuff. I am not going to let Big Ungulate take us down. So please go give $5 to the Okapi Conservation Project to let them know that we know their lie and we're taking them down, okay? Colleen Lenahan, I see you and I'm coming for you with money to help save Okapi, even, even though they're not real, obviously. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, folks, there you have it. Another episode of Rossafari Zoo News. Uh, thanks for letting me keep this one a little bit shorter so I can get back to my honeymoon because I have a beautiful wife laying in bed right now. She's asleep. Darn it. Oh, well, at least the episode's done. Uh, but I want to say thank you to Lara Shank, my red panda level patron. And um, I'd also like to remind you all to make sure that you're following along on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Rossafari, uh, on TikTok at Rossafari Pod. And don't forget that you can send me stories for Zoo News and uh, I will put them in the episode. Or even if I don't, uh, I'm still going to say your name at the end of the episode. Like, for instance, right now when I say thank you to the following people who contributed to this week's episode of Rossafari Zoo News, Faux Copy Edition. 
Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Kevin Williams, Michael Sebastian, Ken Tryon, Laura Shank, Emily Rockbuck, Margaret Johnson, and Marianne Rossi. Yup, that's my mama, y'all. And remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yuswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.